0: to this episode in the second series of the Therapeutic Parenting Podcast, which is coming to you from COECT, the Centre of Excellence in Child Trauma. We provide proven strategies to help people living and working with child trauma, no matter if you're a parent, someone who suffered trauma in your early years, or even a supporting professional. In this second series, we're focusing on tackling specific problem areas like parental isolation, wee and poo problems, a manic desire to eat sugar, and lots more. And as before, we'll be talking to experts who have first-hand knowledge of these challenges that we know you are facing. I'm Serena Gay, your host, and today we're lucky to be joined again by COECT's CEO and founder, Sarah Naish. Sarah is an expert in therapeutic parenting, having adopted five siblings who suffered profound trauma in their early years before coming to live with her. She's a best-selling author on the subject and an internationally recognised expert. And today we're talking about the strain looking after traumatised children inevitably puts on a marriage or a partnership. So Sarah, hello again. I know you were scheduled to speak to audiences in Australia and Canada before the pandemic struck, but I'm assuming you were able to help parents anyway using remote means. How did that go?
1: Hi, Serena. Yes. So we moved the conference for Estonia. We did that online. And because it was online, we had people come from Latvia, Lithuania, and even Russia And that was really interesting because it was translated simultaneously as I did the conference. So, yes, and it was an interesting, you know, trauma is trauma worldwide. Trauma doesn't know a language, so it's relevant. But, of course, in those countries, sometimes there are different causes, you know, generational causes. So it was interesting from that perspective.
0: And it must have been, what what kind of questions did you find were asked that uh, piqued your interest, that were different from what you might have been asked uh, in this country?
1: Well, uh, generally, certainly relating to generational trauma, really, about um, people that had very difficult experiences during the war and beyond, and the impact that had had on their children and grandchildren, and how that had shown itself through the generations. And so I had done a bit of research before, as i say trauma is trauma and it manifests itself in a similar way but often you know i was talking to social workers there and even uh, government ministers who were talking about how they were going to help birth parents where children were showing signs of high cortisol and high stress so there was a high level of birth parents really that we were talking to
0: it's really interesting to see that you know the world over they're now coming to recognize what you've been talking about for so long really yes. uh, and so so it's it's really heartwarming to see that you know the world is coming together anyway to find mm. solutions so so back to the today's topic we always start off with personal stories in this mm. interview series because they are relevant mm. and we're talking about the strain that child trauma puts on the marriages and the partnerships of the people that are bringing up these children. And I understand your own marriage suffered when you adopted your family group of five children. Can you talk us through that?
1: Yes, sure. So um, well, it was a bit unusual in that we adopted five children. You don't usually adopt so many children in the UK And uh, my ex-husband, he was very, very positive about adopting all five children. I was a bit concerned and I really wanted to, you know, I felt three might be enough. So, and ironically, when we went to panel for the adoption, the panel approved us for five children, but only ended up placing three with us. Hmm. Well, for the following year, uh, my ex husband was still very, very keen to have the older two children. And when social services came back to us and said, Would you be interested? I said no. And he said yes. And he talked me round. Well, what happened then was that we had all the introductions to the older two children and things changed quite quickly. So, although having the younger three had been intense and difficult and full on, Once the older two moved in as well, I think it was sort of by 10 because they'd had different experiences. The children had had different experiences. They hadn't lived together for a long period of time. And what I noticed really quickly was my ex-husband was distancing himself and spending very long periods of time at work. I would have uh, sole care of all five children the majority of the time. Um, even to the f- extent that if I was going to the supermarket, I would need to take all five of them with me because he wouldn't be there or he would go out and, and you know, not be reliably enough for me to, to leave him. So so that was very difficult. I realise now that he was suffering from compassion fatigue. Ironically, he was working in a children's home with teenagers and that that was very difficult behaviours and he was actually choosing to spend more time in the children's home with the very tricky children, than yeah. he was at home.
0: Yeah, that that really is ironic, isn't it? Mm. Could just just quickly, can we quickly recap on what compassion fatigue actually is, just so that so that uh, people who
1: haven't come across it before will know what you're talking about. Yeah, so compassion fatigue is a feeling of overwhelm when you start feeling like you can't meet the children's needs and you withdraw from the child and the child be- can become quite triggering so their level of trauma and their behaviour sort of triggers you and there's physiological changes which happen in the brain where the brain starts to protect you and you know protect you from stress and starts closing down in certain areas so you start disconnecting from the child and lose your empathy really so yeah right. okay so
0: so this was clearly the case with your ex-husband mm. and how did things proceed from
1: there? Um, After about a year, he said to me, I can't do this and you'll have to send the children back. So what he suggested was that uh, the older two children went back into care and the younger three children remained. I wasn't prepared to do that. The children had a very strong sibling bond. And uh, I said, well, you know, I'm going to choose the children, although that was a very tough choice, obviously. Um, So he he left. Um, and, uh, and, and he actually never saw the children again, even though I wanted him to and made it easy for him to. He, his decision, and he said to me, if I go, I will never see the children again. And he, he stuck to that. And I, looking back now, I can see he was so triggered by the children's needs. And I know that it triggered him from some of his childhood experiences. He wasn't able to re-engage with the children. Uh, for his own mental health sake, really. Right. So I- in a sense, he had
0: himself experienced trauma, had he, as a child?
1: Yes, he had. But I hadn't really, at the time, I didn't see any of this, obviously. <laughs> and and even if I had, I'm not sure if I could have done anything about it because I was so busy sorting the children out. I, I really didn't have time to start sorting him out as well. And in fact, he became... I became very resentful of him because because I was doing everything and because I felt that he was making life harder, actually.
0: So, I mean, it might have, I suppose, made a difference to the decision that you had made at the very beginning if you'd had a fuller understanding of his own background and how it might affect him.
1: Yes, and also if I'd have known somebody that I could have contacted to help us. So nowadays, of course, we we, we we have those facilities, but I didn't then. There was absolutely nobody that I could pick up the phone to and say, you know, my, uh, this person is withdrawing and I don't know what's going on and I'm left on my own. And there certainly was nobody that would have come in and said, oh, we know what's happening here. Let's help you sort this out. So we were, uh, you know, I've spoken about isolation before. We We were very isolated as a couple and isolated within our relationship, too.
0: Now, through your work with the COECT, are you aware that many partnerships fail for these same
1: reasons? Yes, I think one of the main things that we get a lot of is that the parents' experiences are different. Now, we know that children from trauma, that there can be triangulation or splitting, and that's when the child uh, behaves differently with one parent and another. So, for example. You might have an experience where, if you've got a male, female mum and dad, where the child perhaps doesn't feel safe with the male partner, so they are very, very careful with him. They might be very nice to him and very obliging, and so he's not seeing any of the tricky behaviours. But ironically, because that child feels safer with the mum, those behaviours come out. So if the dad is out of the house, uh, the mum is experiencing some pretty full-on behaviours dad comes home and says well she's fine with me so that makes the mum feel more isolated and makes the dad feel very frustrated with the mum because it's like well you know i can manage this and what what are you doing sort of thing exactly
0: and and is it the case then in your experience that many partnerships and marriages fail
1: the last time i looked at the statistics it was one in three so that's very high uh yeah it's very high um I think that nowadays there is more help out there. So, um, But one one in three certainly, I would say it's higher than that, that they experience difficulties um, within their relationship. It certainly tests you to the limit. So we've worked with families where there's grief, where they are grieving for the loss of their relationship, where perhaps there's jealousy. So, for example, one couple we work with, they'd been... um, obviously childless for many years they had a lovely lifestyle going on holidays and you know all this sort of thing uh very much in love and then when the children came along of course a lot of that finished um and uh as it does with many parents yeah but the difficulty there was that the dad in this case had a really good positive relationship with the children the mum wasn't feeling it and she became very jealous of the dad's affection to the children, so you know that 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 kind of thing, just the just normal dynamics that happen with any family, uh, but they're magnified, of course. Yeah.
0: Do you think that part of the problem is that parents going into these situations
1: aren't properly prepared for what might lie ahead? I think that in many assessments of adopters and foster parents the assessment format doesn't cover the types of things that they, they really need to know about and understand. And, and also, to be fair, the couple often aren't in the right place to hear. If someone comes along and does an assessment with you and says, look, you know, children from trauma can be very difficult and they will test your relationship, because you have no concept of that, your, your response is likely to be, oh, we'll be fine, we've got a really strong relationship. It's a bit like when you speak to a person before they've ever had a child, before they've ever had a baby, and you say to them, parenting is very difficult, you'll be very tired. And they say, oh, you yeah, know, I'll be fine. It's a bit like that, really, because you yes. can't imagine it. You can't imagine what it will be like. Um, so so, so there's there's kind of, it's 50-50. There's, uh, to be fair, a social worker or assessor could speak to a couple nonstop for a year and tell them how difficult it would be And because you can't imagine it, you don't accept it. So what advice
0: might you have then to people who are thinking of going into this situation? uh, What should they ask themselves about themselves? How should they improve their self-knowledge, if you like, in order to know that this is something that they can cope with?
1: The first thing is, is that they both need to have the same training. Uh, That's critical because if you've got one person in the couple relationship who goes off and educates himself about child trauma and why the child behaves this way, etc, and the other person doesn't bother you immediately set yourself up there with a real problem because you've got one person saying, "Well, they need to learn, and uh you know we we need to get a reward chart, and all the things that don't work if they're stuck in traditional parenting, and the other parent who's read up about trauma and understands the way it needs to be different, so there's a conflict there straight away. So you both need to be on the same page and understand where trauma comes from, why children behave the way they do, and what the correct response to that is. And you both need to be giving it. The second thing that you need to do as a couple is you need to make an agreement that you will listen to each other without judgment. Because it's very easy to jump in and say, well, have you tried this? Well, he doesn't do that with me. You need to make an agreement that those kinds of discussions will stop Just because somebody's had a bad day and you didn't experience it doesn't mean it wasn't a bad day. So we have to take that judgment out and just be open to the other person's feelings. That's a a big help, I think. And what other strategies
0: then can you suggest to help people stay strong in their partnerships, but also be able to bring up
1: traumatised children successfully? There's three main things that make a huge difference and they're very easy to do in a couple relationship. The first thing is, if one of you is leaving the house to go to, uh, to work, on your way home, you need to stop, you need to have your break, you need to have your coffee, whatever it is, and you need to disengage from whatever happened at work and you need to re-engage mentally with what you left this morning and think about what you're going home to. In most families, you'd expect to go home and relax. When you're looking after children from trauma, that's not the case because when you come home, you've created a transition. So actually the temperature in the house goes up. So you can't really walk in and relax immediately. You've got to kind of walk in ready for action. You also don't know what you're walking into and what's happened today. So we always advise couples, if you can, even if you like going to the supermarket, whatever it is, try to take an extra 10 minutes, have a cup of coffee and think about what you're going back to. So that that's the first thing. So you're coming home ready to deal with whatever you need to deal with and to be on the same side as the person that you left there. The next thing is that you have to stop solving problems. So I'm very lucky in that I met my second husband um, when the children were aged between eight and 14. Now he's an engineer. He's a very practical person. He's a fixer and he had three birth children. So when he joined our family, he went straight into fixing mode. So he'd come home from work and I might say, I've had a terrible day. This has happened. Uh William's been jumping off tall buildings. Oh. I think that Katie's self-harming, oh. social services, <laughs> normal day in our yeah. house. <laughs> and he would sort of launch into, oh well, have you tried talking to them and let's do this and shall we phone the social worker and all of it? And I said to him one day, Oh, I see what's happening here. When I'm telling you what's what's gone on in the day, you think I want you to solve it. Well, I don't need you to solve it. I need you to let me tell you all about it. Now, I have to say, he was thrilled. He said, what, you mean you don't want answers? I said, no, I don't want answers. Because, of course, he didn't know what to suggest anyway. Um, And I said, but what you do need to do, you need to nod. You need to say, oh, this sounds really tough. I gave him the words. This sounds really tough. This is really difficult. I call this sounds, I don't know how you've coped. Let me put the kettle on make a cup of tea sit there listen actively listen i taught him empathic listening as i talk to you my stress levels come down and i can solve it myself because then my brain allows me to get to those strategies that are blocked at the moment because i'm so stressed that simple conversation has made our marriage so strong and even now even with the children having left home if something happens. He goes straight back into that. Absolutely brilliant. And it's such an easy thing to do. It takes all the pressure off everybody. Um, And last but not least, get a babysitter. You have to look after your relationship. And I know it's difficult. And I know sometimes you just want to flop down in front of the telly and have a glass of wine and not speak to anybody. But when you go out with your partner and you're away from that situation and you make an agreement, you're not going to talk about the children while you're out. So what if the babysitter doesn't have the same rules as you. So what if you've got a bit of pieces to pick up? You've got to cherish that relationship and you've got to nurture it. Those are such interesting strategies. And what does COECT
0: lay on to help people suffering from problems in their partnerships?
1: Well, um, even just recently, we did a, a, a webinar on couple relationships with some exercises in there for couples to do together. We also run little workshops where people can come together and they're quite full of laughter and fun, actually. Um, and, and also we, we use the haven. So we do havening with couples to help strengthen their relationship. And of course, many couples attend the NATP listening circles together. I'll tell you a story. So a couple came recently. The couple were both triggered by the child, um, by by his eating. So he was eating in a way that was very difficult for them to manage, and it was causing stress and tension in their relationship because they had different views about it. So what we did is we uh, referred them to the Haven and they use Havening Touch and Haven therapy, which can be done uh, through Zoom. We, we prefer to do it face-to-face, but it can be done through Zoom. Um, and we Havened each couple, each of the couple individually. And we use touch to remove those triggers and help the couple to get through that together. So once the trigger was removed, they were able to see past the behaviours and work together more as a team. It is quite complicated and probably something I'd need to spend a whole podcast on, to be honest.
0: (laughs) Um, But
1: yes, but basically it takes about uh, two hours, uh, two sessions of one hour. And we work individually with each of the each part of the couple.
0: Sarah, thank you. This has been such an insight into what people can do to reinforce their relationships uh, when they're going through the difficult phase with bringing up their traumatised children. To find out more and to access help, please visit our website, coect.co.uk. And if you'd like to receive this podcast every week, just press the follow button. You'll find it where you found this podcast. And we'd love you to leave a review for the podcast, please. It'll help other people find us and all our helpful advice. Bye for now.